0: Well, thank you so much. Take your Bible, please, and turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter number six. John's Gospel, chapter number six. (coughs) Always a joy to be here. Uh, Obviously, Pastor and I were good friends for a lot of years, and uh, he's been gracious to invite me to come often, and I appreciate that. And also, I'm delighted and pleased that we have the privilege to be on the radio station five days a week and um, look forward to uh, meeting in fact I've met some of you this morning that had not laid eyes on me but you've been listening and I appreciate it and uh, I'll tell you some more about that when we're talking in that interview time tonight but John's gospel chapter number six and I begin reading this is a long chapter and I begin reading way down near the end in verse number 60 verse 60 of John chapter six Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And let me pause in the reading. Because there's some things coming here in the next few verses that if you're not careful, you'll stumble over it. But when you understand a couple of things, number one, we need to understand what this word disciple means. The word disciple sometimes refers to a Christian. But sometimes it doesn't. I'm talking about in the Bible. You say, how do you know that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of the passage, and uh, Jesus will tell us that. Uh, And in this case, there's a crowd of people here, and Jesus is telling them things about the bread and the blood and so on and so forth. And some of them said, this is too much. We don't want to hear that. That's not what we're going to, we're just not going with that. And so, uh, when he says here, many of his disciples, when they heard this, this is a hard saying. Well, these are unsaved people. Now, when Jesus, verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are life, a spirit, and they are life. And here's the definition. But there are some of you that believe not. So he tells us some of these disciples, and that word just means a learner, a student, somebody who's tagging along. Well, some of them had signed up in faith and some hadn't. And he tells us that right here. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back. Now, they weren't saved. These are people who had not believed. They had listened but they had not believed. They went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, talking about the apostles, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, always ready with an answer, you know. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, there is in this passage a question where Jesus said, verse 67... Jesus said to the twelve, will ye also go away? Now, I want to talk to you about some questions that Jesus raised. Questions that I'm going to reference as heart-probing questions that Jesus raised. You know, we're all familiar with questions. pastor just told you, he's going to ask me some questions tonight. And uh, probably some of them I'll give my favorite answer and I'll tell him I don't know. But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, children ask you questions. And sometimes when children ask questions, we all chuckle because they can be hilarious. Sometimes kids ask you questions and you just kind of uh, drop your head and turn and walk the other way and say, later, because it's something you don't want to talk about right now. And, uh, you know, on and on. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, you walk in the church here. And the ladies, you just, uh, you just bought new shoes or a new purse or something. And some other dear lady walks up and says, wow, that's beautiful. What'd you have to get for that? You say, what is her problem? She's just nosy. Or guys, you, you come up driving a different car. And somebody, some of the guys says, wow, man, that is a sharp set of wheels uh, well, I, well, what'd you get for that? I mean, did you get a good deal? Well, what's his problem? He, too, is nosy. That's something that men and women both can do, you know, is be nosy. Well, we, we, we understand about questions. But here's the deal. When Jesus asks a question, he's not looking for information. Because he's already got the information. He is, we've got a big term for that, you know, that word omniscient just means all-knowing. He knows everything about everybody all the time. So when Jesus asks a question, he, he's, not, he's not trying to get something that he doesn't know. He never has to Google. He never has to pick up a set of encyclopedias to find out. He already knows. But what he is doing when he asks questions, he's probing us, maybe coaching us. Uh, Maybe trying to get us to think a little bit. Now, here in this case, he asked these disciples, gave them some things, and then ultimately he asked his closest associates, are you going to go away? Some of that crowd packed and left. You say, well, why did they pack? I mean, that 66th verse to me is one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible when it says that many of His disciples from that time, they went back and walked no more with Him. When somebody turns away, walks away, leaves, doesn't come back, that's a sad situation. You say, why did they do that? Well, some people just like the worldly way. Some people are so oriented to their own flesh that it's what I want, it's what I want to do, I'm going to have my way, nobody's going to tell me anything and so they they just they just walk away. Now here's a second question and I'll not read all of these but I'll reference them. Matthew 11 there's a question where Jesus asked, Where unto shall I liken this generation? And then he answered the question and basically what he said was this generation, talking about when he was here on the earth, this generation he said is like children who are playing weddings and funerals. Now, in the Jewish culture, they, 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 at weddings, I mean, the celebrations are, are big. And at funerals, uh, they're, they're gonna do those up, right, with lots of, uh, lots of noise, um, and so much so, that at the weddings, they would hire professional people to come in and help be celebrants, you know, and help to put on, put, you know, I don't know whether you all say it here or not, but up in the upper part of the South where I grew up, we say putting on the dog. They wanted you to put on the dog. Well, at the funerals, sometimes, you know, the family said, I mean, we, we got to really show here. I mean, great Uncle Joe, I mean, he was something. And so they would hire these professional mourners. Now, those professional mourners, they, they were fake. I mean, they're not sad, but they knew how to put it on. And so they would come in with their horns and whatever else, and they would weep and cry and wail at those funerals, and all of it because somebody was paying them by the hour or paying them by the job. And Jesus said that generation was like children playing weddings and funerals. You know, we have some of that going on today. While I was still pastor in Maryland, one of our families lived out in the North County. Had a little farm out there, and the lady called me one day and told me that her husband had died suddenly. And uh, and these these were folks that had lived there a long time. I mean, outside of maybe a few people in the church, uh, I mean, they they just not gotten real well acquainted. They they weren't even there all the time, and. Uh, and so very few people, even in, in the community, knew them. A few, but not many. The man died. She wanted to know if I'd help with the funeral. I said, absolutely, I'll be glad to. So the day of the funeral, I went to meet them at the funeral home. And uh, this, this particular funeral home, there's two, two sections of seats, not, not near as big as these two sections, but two sections of seats. And across the back, there was another room that they had closed off with accordion-type doors, same thing over here. And right in the middle, there was a, uh, or maybe just a little to the side of the middle, there was a single door, like, you know, where you could just pass through as, a, as a, somebody walking. And uh, they had accordions on that as well. And uh, after the funeral service, the custom there was that uh, the family would stay and have a final viewing, and everybody else, friends and all, they would leave and wait outside. But the pastor always stayed in with the family. So I'm standing there, With the family, the funeral's over. Those accordion doors are closed. All the friends are out, and that little single accordion door opened, and in walked a man in a beautiful brown suit. I mean, a big sharp tie. And he walked in. He saw me standing there holding my Bible, and he he walked. He walked over to me, and he said, "He said, are you the reverend?" Now I don't use that terminology. I don't. uh, It's just a term I just don't use. But uh, but uh, but I said, "Well, I'm the pastor." And he said, well, he said, I'm William Casey. He said, and remember, we're in Maryland. We're less than an hour to the White House. He said, I'm William Casey. He said, I'm the director of the CIA, and I'm here on behalf of the president to give condolences to the family. Now, before I tell you the rest of it, let me pause to tell you. I personally met William Casey on two different occasions and shook his hand. Besides that, I'd seen him on television any number of times. We were there close to D.C. I went down there uh, just every now and then and you know, met a few people. And uh, so I, I knew immediately this guy is not William Casey. But he leaves me, walks over, speaks to the widow, gives her the same speech. I'm William Casey, head of the CIA. I'm here on behalf of the president to uh, give you condolences. He walked over to the casket and did a little moment of silence, turned around, walked out, got in a big lane an automobile and drove off. The funeral director walked over to me and he said, do you know who that guy was? And I said, I know who he wasn't. He wasn't William Casey. You say, what was he doing? <laughs> Playing games. Playing games. Now. Let me, let me tell you, any funeral director that you get acquainted with, if you really get acquainted with him so that he trusts you enough that he can tell you some private stories, they've all got stories of people playing games. They've all got them. Now, Jesus said that a lot of his society, they were, it was like they were playing weddings and funerals and being those professional mourners, and he said, what, what they're doing, it's not real. Here in America, in the 21st century, we have a lot of people doing two things. Playing God. Playing God, number one. Acting like, man, I can do whatever I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me anything. You know, I'll, I'll manage. I've even had people tell me, hey, it got time for me to die. I, I'll squeeze in. God will let me in. I know he will. Playing God. The only way you're going to get to heaven is on God's terms. And that's the Lord Jesus. Not your goodness, not your doing, not your church membership, not your baptism, not your communion. It is the Lord's doing. When you put your faith in Him, He will provide as a free gift for you what He bought and paid for when He went to the cross and the resurrection. All right? So, uh, some folks play God... And a second thing we got going on here in America, a lot of folks play church. Show up whenever they feel like it, whenever they want to, maybe, but it's no big deal, you know. I'm here, I'm not, I'm here, I'm not, I'm here, I'm not. Yeah. Now, I understand some people get sick sometimes and there's issues we all have to deal with and all that's understandable. But whenever we just, hey, I can take it or leave it, you know, and you know, don't want to get involved, none of that. Uh, you know, it's like we play at the business of really being right with God, really being a servant in the Lord's uh, uh, mission, and so forth. So Jesus said, where unto shall I liken this generation? Here's another question. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus said, do ye not therefore err, why? Because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. And you know who he was talking to? He was talking to Jews who had a rich heritage. God's prophets had been among them. They were God's people. And yet, Jesus said, you are in error for two reasons. Number one, you don't know the scriptures. And number two, you don't know the power of God. So what's happening? Well, they're stumbling along just like the generation that he talked about. Ignorant of the scripture and ignorant of the power of God. And folks, in the darkest of hours, every one of us, I mean, when the bottom falls out, when we're in the depths of despair and sorrow, whatever, when things come down and it is a dark day in our life, we need to know the scripture and we need to have access to the power of God. We need that. That's the way we survive. I mean, uh, a lot of folks, they can have the slightest hurt and it drives them into despair. They don't, they, don't, they don't have to have a tornado blow through. They can just have a little huff of wind. And they got a problem that they just can't get over. And how do we deal with those things when we've been hurt, when we've been betrayed, whenever the bottom falls out, when you go bankrupt, whatever the case. I mean, great trouble comes in your life. How do you manage in all of that? If you know the Bible and if you have access to the God who has power, if all of that is working in your life, I promise you, you will get up when the morning comes, and you will get going when the day dawns, and you will stay and and stick. You won't be walking away with this crowd who took a hike in John chapter 6. You'll make it, simply because you know the Bible, and you know the power of God. Here's another question Jesus raised. In Luke 18, he said, When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Well, the the obvious answer to that is, yes, he will. But it's going to be a small crowd. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Some, but not many. And on the other hand, the broad way, it's where the crowd is. Now, Jesus, Jesus just pointing out, you know, the way is accessible. He said, I am the way. So the way is accessible. It's available to everybody. You know, if, if, if you couldn't go to heaven unless you had a certain amount of money, that would leave some people out. Or if you, uh, if, if, if you couldn't go to heaven because you were born in Kentucky like I was, you know, say, oh no, can I mean if you, you could get left out. But no, Jesus paid the price so that everybody who would trust him could get in. Here, here's another question that Jesus raised. In uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his close associates, he said, uh, uh, who, who, do, who do men say that I am? By the way, it's a question everybody needs to answer. And uh, they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but whom say ye that I am? And that's the question, the big question. Oh, today some people say, oh, he was a good man. He, he was an astute philosopher, great teacher, worthy example. Most unusual, I mean, I mean, people even in the darkest circumstances will say that or some portion of it, but they deny His deity, they deny His historicity, they deny His eternal nature. The question for us is, but what do you say about Him? That's the difference. And one of the answers in the Bible is, neither is there salvation in any other. Acts 4.12. For there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. No salvation available except in the Lord Jesus. You know, we get criticized sometimes because we say, no, Muhammad's not going to get you to heaven. Buddha's not going to get you to heaven. The Lord Jesus is the one who can and who will if you'll let him. Here's another question Jesus raised. Mark chapter eight, he said, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, I'm a uh, free enterprise guy. I'm I'm a capitalism guy. I believe we all ought to do everything we can to make a living for our family. The Bible says, you know, a man doesn't take care of his family. is worse than an infidel. And it also says something about if you want to eat, you ought to work. It's all in the Bible. And we, we sign on to that. We believe that. But let's just suppose that you got it all. Got it all. I probably, I think I might have told you this before I just referenced it here. Betty and I went into McDonald's. guy there in our city. Got a Rolls Royce sitting in the parking lot. A Rolls Royce. I waited for him to go to the drink fountain. I went over to speak to him. I said, I mean, there's, there's ten cars on the lot, and I just said, Is that your car sitting out there? He knew which car I was talking about. (laughs) He said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, we just went down to Atlanta to pick it up. Said, my wife's always wanted one. He said, we flew down, got it driving it back. And he said, you know, he said, I I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. He said, I've only got a five car garage and already got it full of cars. (laughs) Now, God bless him. If, if, if he wants five cars, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. <clears throat> but my question to him and all of us is okay, so you got five a uh, five stall garage. So you got five cars. So you, so you got you got money in the bank. All, all that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if that's all that we have, what do we have? You know, I, I wanted my kids to get a, an education. But I paid attention to get them, getting them saved before we got real concerned about the education. Uh, you know, and, uh, and you know, other people along the way that, I mean, same with my, my grandchildren. You know, they came into the world, and, and we began to nurture them toward the Savior from day one because it is so important that... We not just pursue a living, but that we think about the fact that there is an eternal life out there. And so Jesus said, what, what, I mean, really, what have you, what advantage is it, he says? If you get everything, gain the whole world, and yet die and go to hell. Lays it out pretty clearly. And then uh, one more of these, and there's, there's more of them. John 21, Jesus asked the question three times. Do you love me more than these? You say, what was he talking about? Well, anything. Do you really love him? Have you nailed it down that you love the Savior? Now, all of these questions, they're laid out here very clearly. And Jesus gives these questions. Why? He's probing us. He's coaching us. He's trying to get hold of our heart and get us to think and to respond with what He is able to offer to us. As a nine-year-old kid growing up in those river bottoms in western Kentucky, I've told you and I, I mention it often, the old farm where we lived in those days was at the end of a dirt road. Three farms, half a mile of that dirt—not gravel, but dirt, except mud in the winter time. We were the, the last of the three farms. But one Saturday morning in September, somebody came down that road talking about Jesus. I'd been at that point. I'd only been to church a few times in my life. I'd heard about Jesus, but nobody had told me much about him. But I heard about it that day. <laughs> And when, when I listened to what they were saying, they were trying to, get, trying to get my mom and dad in. And mom and dad were resisting. But I spoke up and I said, I said tell me more. And mom and dad just kind of backed off. But I went ahead and made my choice that day. Put my faith, my trust in the Savior. Amen. And it made an impact, a wallop of an impact in my young life. And I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of folks along the way make their choice. I've yet to run on to somebody who would say, well, you know, it was the worst thing I ever did. It's not the way it works, folks. When you come to Christ, you're going to be saying, man, best thing that I ever did in my whole life. Anything, anything the Lord wants you to give up, you'd be better off without it anyway. Anything he wants to add to your life, it'll be a plus. He's never going to take you down a trail that's a dead-end street. Never going to do it. And again, when he raises questions, he already knows the answer. Now, I could ask you, do you know for sure that you're saved? I don't know the answer. I mean, some of you have told me along the way, and I believe what you tell me. But if I were to say that to all of us here this morning, I don't know the answer, but the Lord already knows that answer. And if you're not in, he knows it. But he'll say to you, like he would say, I mean, if he were standing here himself, he would say, but I'm still saving sinners. I'm still taking people in. I'm still bringing people into the family of God. I'm still doing what needs to be done to get people ready for heaven. You know, I got saved as a lad right at my ninth birthday. And uh, it's been a bunch of years. And whenever, whenever my body checks out, I'm heaven bound. All because there is a Savior who loved a little ragged, barefooted kid down a dirt road in those river bottoms in western Kentucky. And he loves you just as much as he loves me. And if you don't have that settled, I want to help you with that today. Now, there may be others of you here who, for whatever reason, as Pastor's already suggested, you may want to find your way to the altar this morning. Maybe some of you who haven't joined Central Baptist yet, but this is a good place. I've been here enough times, I can tell you, this is a good place. Solid, solid church, solid teaching, solid preaching right kind of environment, right kind of atmosphere, right kind of things going on. And if you get your family in, your family will be blessed just being a part of the fellowship here. So if you haven't joined, let me encourage you. If you're saved or willing to get saved, baptized or willing to be baptized, come on, let's do it. Stand up with me and we'll pray together. And in just a moment, Brother Kevin, if we can sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. I think it's 399 in the book. And that's what I want to ask you to do. Make the choice to decide to go with Jesus. Don't be like those folks who listened and then walked away. But be like the ones who stuck with him and who even now, from eternity, they would tell you, we're glad that we did.